1: From social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you're a regular listener to this show, you'll know that I'm pretty new around here. I've recently taken over host duties from Peter rischuti When I started out, Peter and the producers of the show explained to me that we invite people to lunch who we think would get along and they might like to meet each other. It's okay if they're in the same field, but we don't want people who are competitors because that might get a little awkward. So when I got the information about today's guests, I was very surprised to find out they do almost exactly the same thing. I'll read you a couple of things straight off the research that our researcher Matt Ellefson gave me. This is from one guest, shampoo. From the other guest, haircuts. From one guest, massage. From the other guest, warm cleansing bath, hand blow dry. There is one significant difference between the two businesses. They serve different species. One is for human beings, the other is for dogs. Renee Izel is the owner of the human-oriented business, The Refinery, downtown. At The Refinery, they specialise in men's haircuts and hot towel shaves. Plus, they have a full salon and a full range of spa services for both men and women. You can indulge yourself in all sorts of pampering, from a hot stone massage to body waxing to much more. Renee, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks, Amy. On the canine side of high-end spa services is a pet spa and boutique called Spoiled. At Spoiled, your pet can get everything from a warm cleansing bath to a pedicure. And if your pet loves being pampered so much they don't want to go home, they can sleep over. The owner of Spoiled Pet Spa and Boutique is JC Simone. JC, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Renee, you graduated from the Aveda Institute in Minneapolis with a focus on cosmetology and hairstyling. Then you went to UL and graduated with a degree in business. Armed with both business and cosmetology skills, I would have thought that market research would reveal that many more Lafayette women than men would avail themselves of the services you were about to (laughs) offer when you opened the refinery. Did you do your market research that told you otherwise, or maybe you just prefer men's hair? Today, you offer services to both men and women, but what made you start
2: out as a men's barber and salon? So, let's start at the beginning. I didn't actually graduate from UL. So I studied business management, and I was I had about a semester left, and the business plan kind of came together. And wait, it was wait, how that the business plan doesn't just come together. How did the business plan come together? The business plan came together. So the first salon that I worked at outside of school was in Minneapolis, and it was a men's um, centered salon. So there was no females. Um, the owners had a business across the street that was just for women. They were open for about 15 years. They had this brilliant idea to open a a space that was catering to men. And um, so I started with them, trained, and was part of the opening staff of this men's salon. It was called Schmitty's. And um, so worked there for a few years and then realized that I was ready to move home. And did that, went to UL, studied business, learned some things, worked in a bunch of different industries, but I still cut hair. So I was doing it out of the home and kind of for friends and family. And the more that my husband and I kind of talked about it, we thought, well, you know, there's this kind of men's movement as far as like grooming goes. And there's nothing around. Like, there's nothing. We were living in Baton Rouge at the time. Um, We talked about doing something there. And then we eventually found ourselves back in Lafayette. And again, there was nothing in Lafayette that was, um, you know, a little upscale that kind of catered to men. I love cutting men's hair. That's kind of my original passion. I love the creativity in women's hair, so as far as coloring goes and cutting, you, can, you have more creativity and um, a little bit more flexibility there. But for me, m- the men's business is, was such an untapped thing. Um, and so we started putting the business plan together, and it came together really just kind of by doing research and seeing what competition there was in Lafayette and um, you know, being able to offer something that didn't exist really excited me. So that's how we kind of put it together. And I was at UL and the financing, the business plan, all of those things happened. And I just could not re-enroll for that last semester because we were about to open the doors. Study business or do (laughs) business. (laughs) Right, so I chose let's do it. Let's just do the business. And you know, seven years later I figured, do I really need to finish that last semester? (laughs) You just
1: hit everything at the right time, which, JC, coming to you. Even though it's the 21st century and we're pretty much used to anything goes, I imagine there are still people who roll their eyes when they hear about the kind of pet treatment you provide, which you openly (laughs) called spoiling. What cynics might be interested to know is, in the past year, Americans spent almost seventy billion dollars on pet care. That's billion with a B. Over six billion of that is spent on services like yours, boarding and grooming. So this is a huge industry. All these figures are growing every year. In fact, they've doubled since you started out in 2005. Let me just make that point again. This industry has doubled in just over a decade. J.C. What do you think it is about our society and our approach to life that has brought along this massive change in the way we treat our pets?
3: It's probably been like this forever. It's just we've now realized that it's socially okay to dress your dog, to spend <gasps> lots of money on your dog. People were buying doll clothes and doing it in secret. lots of money yes. on dogs. Um, I just think now it's in our society that everybody has a dog, that it's okay to have a dog, that you, you're, you, you could be kooky about your dog. Um, I mean, we've—I've grown up with dogs, so we've always had dogs. But we've had a limitation where our parents have said, "No, you can't have that. No, you can't have this." And I see now in this yeah, today's society, don't clothes. like kids come into my shop with their their money that they've raised in quarters and in dimes to buy a collar or a dress or something cutesy that um, I wouldn't have done thirty years ago. But thirty years ago, I don't remember. Um, Going into a Petsmart and singing clothing or beds, or I don't, I don't, don't remember that. Existed. I mean, we had a dog and our treats were limited to the grocery store. Like, you go to the grocery store and it was those bacon treats, and that's all you had to choose from. And now you have, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. You've got crazy treats. Like, the other day I was on the internet and I'd seen a company that designed a treat with crickets. It's good protein, here. Okay, so, we, you know, we did a poll at work to say, okay, we, do we need to sell this? And everyone was like, no, we can't do, we can't. JC, there's a limitation of what you can sell in your store. I We're not change, selling I crickets, my dog cook you know, but it was kind of <laughs> cool. So um, it's just neat. I mean, for me, it's an industry that, um, I mean, I love it just because I get to be with dogs all day long, pampering dogs, um, you know, and we have such a cool clientele that it's the same old thing. So it's almost like I be, they belong to me too, you know, so. It's cool. And I think you've hit
1: something at the right time and you said people aren't ashamed to spend money no. on their dogs anymore. No. And, and I, Renee, have you found the same, same. with men? I don't yeah. want to compare men with dogs openly <laughs> on the radio, <laughs> but you found you've hit that same sweet spot with same. men. Yeah. Have they changed their attitude to what they'll spend on their appearance and what they think about their I appearance? I believe
2: so, yeah. Um, I think they're, you know, I guess around the time I was kind of coming out of school, it became, which was like in 2001, it was starting to become more and more popular. Men were spending more on grooming. Men were getting waxed. Men They were, could use moisturizer without BNTs. Yeah, they could buy products. And, um, you know, I think they realized that the people in their lives and the people around them appreciated it, you know? And though it, it became a thing where it's no longer weird for a guy to go and buy face cream and hair product and have a couple things. So can um, we talk about men getting waxed? Sure. Tell, <laughs> tell. <Tilt it off.
0: laughs> sure. We need more
2: details. So I'll tell you, um, the, the barbershop or salon that I worked at in Minneapolis um, had a service on their menu and it was called the Back Crack and Sack Wax. <laughs> Best I've ever heard. So um, I think that answers all the questions. <laughs> right. We don't currently offer that wonderful, wonderful service at refinery. Um, it's a that's a little much for me. But you know, it sort of opened my eyes to like, wow, you know, guys are coming in. They walked out, kind of walking a little differently. But you know, <laughs> it was on the menu, and that was that was 15, 16 years ago. You know, so yeah, a little bit about waxing. So we do started. like started. Yes, that that to me was sort of like, okay, I guess they're comfortable coming in and getting you know these things done.
1: And, and I think <laughs> that's something.
2: Hopefully, you'll never
1: have in common. You will never do dog waxing. No,
3: no, no. We do other gross dog things, but <laughs> so we don't do any waxing. No.
1: This conversation went downhill pretty fast. Yes. <laughs> JC, I have to ask, We've talked about Renee's business plan. The way that your business plan came into being i heard it started off as a bit of a a prompt from your husband
3: you know um at the time 13 years ago um, i had two young boys and my husband opened up his own business and he said put them in daycare and come to work for me so so we did and um and one day I just went to him and I said, okay, I have this business idea, like I want to open up my own business. There was a spot in our shopping center that was vacant and I love our landlords. And he said, well, what is it? And I was like, I want to open up a dog boutique. And he just started. So your husband already had a business in that shopping center? He already had his own business in that shopping center. And I said, I want to open up a dog boutique. And he said, do you think we're rich? And laughed. And I said, no, I I mean, this is legit. And he was like, well, come bring me back a business plan. And I just looked at him like, you're nuts. But I did, I I went on the internet, clueless of what I was even doing, and started researching and finding companies and and talking to friends and telling people my crazy idea that I wanted to open up this dog boutique. And let's skip forward how many years until he sold his business to (laughs) join you? So it was, I want to say we opened in 2005 and I was at least in business for three or four years and that's when he closed his doors, and he came and joined me. And and I will say this, he was my backbone when I opened my store because we went to five different banks in town, and I will say I have families on my mom's side and my dad's side that are very well known, and so everybody knew me, and I knew all the bankers that I went to talk to, and they would all say, y'all are precious, you're awesome, this business plan is amazing, we, we can't loan you the money. Like, you don't have anything to give us, we can't loan you the money, and so, It was so godsend because that month that all these banks turned us down and I was so depressed. He had a booming month and he said, here's $50,000. Take it, open up your business. You know what? If you don't make it, no big deal. It's just $50,000. And if you make it, you make it. And I was scared to death because he's so successful and he's so good. And I was clueless. I just knew that I'm a people person and I love dogs and I'm going to make this work. And now we're 13 years into it. And so I... I laugh at the bankers now that I see them because I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, thank you. You should have
1: have done this. (laughs) So, you started with your location. Renee, you know I have to talk. You love your location. Yeah. But on the surface, it looks like the worst location possible. Yes. Tell us about
2: your location and why you chose it. So um, we're located downtown. We're on the corner of Garfield and Buchanan Street. Basically on so a back street. back street. There's never been a retail front of any sort on that street. Um, and so, yeah, going into it, people thought we were crazy. Yeah, because um, we're told it's all about location, location, lo- location. Correct. And for three or four years, I thought I was also crazy. Um, <laughs> But I couldn't pass up the opportunity to be in such a cool, historic building downtown. Um, and we converted it to fit our needs. So it's, you know, ideal for all of the things that we do as far as our services go and our clientele. And it feels real rustic and um, has some history to it. Uh, it's part of the old Abdallah's building. So you can still see outside um, some of the paint is still there from when it was Abdallah's. And now we have parking meters out front. There's more activity. Um, And the other thing that we like about it and that our clients like about it is it is sort of out of the way. So it's become a destination. People come specifically for the refinery experience. Um, And it's not in the middle of all of the hustle and bustle that you might may see on the other side of town where all the new construction so is so it's also a mini escape for them it's a little yeah and so like i said for for a couple of years you know it was difficult it we weren't doing that much business are, where are you where are you yeah and it we're not you can't see us from any major street road nothing and so um, it took a while to get the word out there and to get people to kind of come downtown and maybe come out of their way. A lot of them come from the south side, south side of town. Um, but now that we're established and we kind of have our thing, I wouldn't move.
1: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Lafayette business owners Renee Izel from the Refinery Downtown, a spa for men and women, and JC Simon from Spoiled Pet Spa and Boutique. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Lafayette business owners Renee Izell from the Refinery Downtown, a spa for men and women, and JC Simone from Spoiled Pet Spa and Boutique. JC, how has the development of the big park next to your business has oh, that affected your
3: business it's yet? It's so cool for us. It's so cool for you us. You can walk the I to mean, dogs. like I tell my husband and my landlord's so happy because he goes, you're never going to move. I said, I'm never moving. For me... It, well, where I'm at, I'm in the oldest shopping center in Lafayette. I'm the first shopping center in Lafayette. So, what's great is I don't flood there. I never run out of electricity because I'm connected to Lafayette General's Hospital. Mm. I've got the horse <laughs> farm next to me. I to mean, know. I've got a light for my little old ladies to get in and out. You know, I'm right by UL football and baseball and all those things. So, I feel like I'm in a spot where I always want to be. And now that the horse farm is developing, since we have small dog boarding and we don't have a back door or a backyard, it's you amazing. Have the entire like, horse farm. We literally walk through the parking lot and we are, it's luxury, it's um, its cool. That's awesome. Uh, I'm lucky. JC, Renee, this is part of the show we call Another Great Idea. Maybe
1: you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity that you should just jump on now. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that may have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who's had a great idea for you? Did you take
3: their advice? How did it turn out? You know, um, I guess in my life, I've, I've I've watched my dad be a musician and to have a job from he was 18 until now my dad's in his 60s and he's done the exact same thing and he wakes up every day and he loves his job. And I think by him and I always talking, he just said, do something you love to do. And if you don't love it anymore, then find something else you love to do. But he didn't just tell you that
1: he lived that for you. He
3: showed me and I've watched it. And so every day I get up and I love what I do. So it's kind of cool because I've watched my dad do the same exact thing. Um, So that's sort of like my little role model. So for me, um, you know, I've had a lot of advice
2: over the years. Um, everything from when we were opening the business. I like to collaborate with people and, and get ideas. So from the name of the business to different design ideas. But I think the one that stands out, we have a friend, so before we opened Refinery, who suggested that we perform services on both men and women. Couldn't understand why we were cutting out such a large group of people from coming in and getting services as a new business starting from scratch. Just didn't understand it. So, as the story goes, we stuck to our guns and we wanted to to focus on men and we did that. And we did it slowly and we grew slowly. And two years in, I became really impatient and um, went back and kind of thought about that advice that we had gotten from our friend and and thought, you know, he's probably right. Um, We need to fill our schedule. And so we did, two years in. We just sort of changed things up and um, made the necessary adjustments to get more people in the door. And it's been amazing. How did you keep the men
1: feeling like it was a men's place when you introduced the women's services?
2: Um, I think a lot of it is, um, I credit the staff a lot. Um, The skill level of our staff, most of them do men's haircuts and that's kind of their specialty. We're still 70% men, um, so the majority of the clients are still male. And the
1: men didn't worry about the women being there? They
2: may have worried a little, but I think that they were satisfied and they trusted us enough to know um, that it was a decision about the business at the end of the day, and that if they wanted to continue getting the services that they loved, we had to do something in order to keep the doors open. Um, and it worked well. Everybody, you know, it. I was really worried about it, that it, it was going to be a hard transition and that we'd lose a lot of our male clients, but really we didn't. Um, and so, yeah, it's been one of the best things that we've done for the business. Let's talk about something that's often
1: overlooked in business, staff. Both of you really value your customer service. Who do you have working with you and how do you ensure that they give the same customer service as
3: you would yourself? I know for me, I have a very small knit little community that works for me because it doesn't really take a lot of manpower to do what I do, but um, I have a great face in the front of my store. Um, His name is Bill He's my best friend's brother and he's fabulous and everybody loves him and he's just he is the face when you walk in that answers my phone that greets my customers that's checking in people that's talking to them that's one-on-one service if you come in and you're shopping and you have no idea what you need to buy because you just bought a dog he's one-on-one helping you and then i have my little My little minions in the back that just kind of hide out with me that really would rather be with animals than be with people so it works out perfect and then of course I have my husband right next door to me because he does all my printing and payroll and um, taxes and all the things that I'm clueless and don't want to do and it just works in one big full circle and we're very close we all have kids we um, we all take care of each other it's you know like I always tell people when you come to work for me I'm actually really not your boss don't like being a boss. I don't really want to be a boss. I just want to go to work and do my job and go home and, and not worry about the headache of all those other things. So when we go to work, we're a team and they know that and that's what's made it successful for 13 years. And I've had one girl with me for eight years and my other girl with me for a going on three And Bill's been with me for about a year. So, I mean, it's worked out. um, And your
1: husband even longer, obviously. He's not
3: going anywhere.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Renee? Um, So the question was, who do we have as far as staff Who do you have
1: as staff, but how do you keep that customer service the same as if it was you? It's very easy to have your customer service values and know how to do it. But how do you convey those values into actions for your staff?
2: So I think for me, my thought process on it is um, I don't know that anybody would ever do it the exact way that I do it. I've had to sort of let that go over the years, but I have expectations, and the staff knows what those expectations are, and I feel that they do the very best that they can as individuals to meet those expectations. Um, The customers and the way that they feel when they walk in and when they leave is so important to me, but I also have that same feeling about the staff. So I want them to walk in the door knowing that they're going to have an amazing day at work, that they love where they are. You know, just like JC said, they love being at work. We like to work with each other. We work as a team. And I think that reflects um, to the customer, you know, the way that we operate and how the staff works together. I think the clients see that and appreciate that. And that all to me goes into customer service. So I feel like if my staff is happy and satisfied, I feel like that will in turn have a, or leave me with a happy and satisfied client, you know? What are the most popular things that people
1: or dogs come in for? And how do you know they're happy when they leave?
2: Because they come back, for me, you know? I mean. I I think that's the the best indicator for us, is repeat business. Um, Referrals, that's another thing that that we, um, you know, I I know that if a customer's happy,
3: uh, they'll send me referrals. You know, that's the, yep. kind of the best compliment. And how do you know,
1: the dogs are happy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have some that literally could jump out of the car on Johnson Street and run straight to my door. Then we have some. I like you know <laughs> mean, it's just and it's hysterical because they walk in and they're like, "What is the deal?" Like they are going bananas when they turn in at the light. They know they're here, and I said, "It's just our touch." got that touch they just love us it's it's um dogs are a lot like humans they're familiar with their space I mean some dogs don't like it and that's okay it's just they're very um tatad they want to be at home you took them out of their environment and you're bringing up somewhere and they probably think they're going to the vet and then when they get to me they realize, they're, similar to the guys they, realize so they realize they're not at the vet and so um but it, it's kind of cool to see the ones the dogs that come in and are so excited and and the humans leave Smiling like that's just the coolest thing ever because their dog actually knows they're there and they're happy. So, so when
1: a human let's call call (laughs) the men rather than humans, (laughs) when a man has a haircut, you can tell if they're not happy and you can fix it. Do you get ever get a customer that's kind of you think it's the right look for the dog and the customer's unhappy? Yeah, I do. do
3: And you know what? And this is um, all about being being um, on this end of pleasing your customer. And it's probably the same for her, but she's dealing with a human that can talk to her. I mean, I'm dealing with an animal that can't say, oh, you just hurt me or, oh, whatever. And they're, they, I'm talking to them, but they have to stand still. And you have to, you're dealing with a totally different nature, you know. But um, if a customer comes in and they don't like, I am, by all means, I'm human. And I can fix mistakes and I'm there to please somebody. Um, I, I'm not a show breed groomer. I'm a groomer to where I'm trying to do a job that a customer asks for, Um, and I think most people are pleased, and if they're not, and I I have in 13 years, I have people that are not, I, I maybe will not charge them and make them happy, and they will come back the next time because they know that I've gone over and beyond, and you know, it's... It's that part of the job. It's
1: amazing how similar your business so and yeah. your businesses are. Yeah. It's
3: the same thing. I would assume people are the same way. Because if they don't like the way I do their dog, just like they don't like the way their hair looks, they're going to be honest and say it. And I've formed relationships to where I'm, I want people to be very comfortable with, your, by all means, you're not offending me by saying I don't like what you did. Because I want them to ultimately be happy. For me, it's the same. Absolutely. To have the
2: trust and the respect between the business and the client where they can come to you if there is a mistake is so important, yeah.
1: For anyone wondering about what separates us humans from animals, we probably haven't gone terribly far down the path of answering any Darwinian questions today, but we have had a lot of fun learning about pampering pets and men and women. JC and Renee, you're both in growth industries. You both have great business sense and you're both genuinely enthusiastic about your respective businesses, which is well over half the reason for your success. I look forward to keeping up with you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks, Aileen. Thank you, that was
2: fun. It was fun. <laughs> and the food was delicious. It was great. always <laughs>
1: My guests on Out to Lunch today have been J.C. Simon, owner of Spoiled Pets Bar and Boutique, and Renee Ezel, owner of the Refinery Downtown. You can find out more about J.C.'s Spoiled Pets and Renee's Refined Humans by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner, with brunch on Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Murrell. Our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from the show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Gwen O'Quinn. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us all on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch.
0: The Out Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Destin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones-Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Joneswalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Launch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali's Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.